1: Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell with Hands in the Air, uh, joining me for a final episode of 2020, a New Year's Eve edition
2: of the Total Soccer Show. It's Ryan Bailey, who did have a hand in the air, but no longer does. I only have one hand in the air because I had a diet beverage in my (laughs) other hand, but I was there with you in terms of enthusiasm because, my gosh, where did 2020 go? Please don't leave us 2020. You've been so wonderful. (laughs) Man, like... I keep there have been two big
1: moments that did make 2020 a little bit better. Uh, One was the election. One was uh, having a child. But those things aside, it's been a rough one. And reading a lot of like season or year review pieces, it has been a reminder of like, oh, right, that happened this year, too. It's been a rough one, Ryan Bailey. And yet, with all that said, I don't think I would be ending it drinking a diet beverage. Are you drinking a diet caffeine free beverage at that?
2: Correct. It is in a golden can with some red lettering on it. Or they're not a sponsor, so I'll say no more. All right. So I have a question about this, though,
1: about the unnamed cola sponsor. <laughs> Wait, I guess they're not a sponsor. The unnamed cola beverage that we're not going to name. Uh, I've never understood the purpose of caffeine-free. Is it just that you like the taste, but you don't want like to the uh, the up? Like, w- what is it exactly?
2: So here's the thing. I drink a lot of tea during the Mm -hmm. day, maybe like seven or eight cups. And I've started to, after a certain time of day, I'll switch to decaf bags. I don't know why, because I don't think the caffeine affects me that much. And I also, when I I do drink a diet beverage, I try to buy the caffeine-free ones. Once again, I don't know why, because I don't think it hits me that much. But I will say, when we recorded our show yesterday, I was drinking a giant coffee, and I felt pretty buzzed (laughs) during the show. And maybe I was speaking at double speed. I had to listen back. Well, that's what's going on over here. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yes, this is my, I think, third coffee of the day. Turns out, those stories about not sleeping a lot with a newborn, accurate. Uh, But I am taking a break from that to do some uh, New Year's Eve resolving. Providing some resolutions is what we're going to do. Ryan and I each have 10 or so resolutions, some for ourselves, some that we would, I guess, suggest for other people or clubs whatever it might be maybe suggestions maybe recommendations for uh, resolutions that we're going to be going through on today's episode uh Ryan why don't you start us off if you would
2: I will kick it off Taylor with a problem that I've developed over the past few years which I will try and rectify it is to watch more games Mm -hmm. undistracted that means watching just the screen and nothing but the screen that is No Twitter follow-alongs, no second Mm -hmm. screen with my phone in my hand, no checking on Reddit, no looking at a live blog at the same time. Watch the game undistracted. When I first obviously started watching soccer, when most of us did, you didn't have all these second screen and other distractions to sort of take you out of the moment and to inject other opinions on what's happening into your own thoughts. And I think there is a purity to, you know, I used to go to a lot of live games. We all did. We don't do that anymore. But uh, when you're when you're there and in person, you you kind of absorb a lot more. Obviously, you can see a lot more Mm -hmm. than you do on TV. But I want to I want to I value second screen experiences very much. But I feel like sometimes I'm a bit disengaged from what's happening for the full ninety minutes. And I think that's probably a uh, a problem of our times and a problem of you know. Twitter and all that all, mm. all that nonsense that we love. Um, am, am, I, am I being a bit grumpy old man no. with this one? No, I think that's a great uh,
1: resolution because it's something I try to do a lot and then generally fail to do uh, because I will have that moment like 10 minutes in where it's like, wait, I have no idea really what's happening. I'm looking at my phone, look at my computer. I'm sort of paying attention. Like I saw Johnny Evans do something. I don't really know what happened there. <laughs> uh, and then I'm like, all right, but now I'm going to pay attention And then slowly my eyes go back to the phone and then it gets to halftime. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really understood or understand anything that happened there. So I think you're right that just locking in really does help you understand it. And I would say that's a thing that we do for like the match reviews, those detailed ones. Because with me and Daryl, like we would find that if we just sat and watched the game ourselves and avoided all distractions, didn't see what Twitter had to say, we oftentimes had a very different perspective And when Daryl would watch it in a vacuum and I would check Twitter first, I tended to be a little bit more negative than he was. I think because I would see some of the opinions out there. We would have – a common one was we would think Michael Bradley had a really good game. Then Twitter would be like, he had the worst game ever. And not so much to say that we would change what we were going to say, but more so – Maybe anticipating the backlash a little bit, and then that sort of ameliorates what you're gonna say. So, I think from a TSS perspective and then a personal perspective, I might echo that one, that resolution as well, and just try to pay attention a little bit more
2: yeah and I find even when i'm when I'm watching the games for weekend review, I'm still sitting there with a, with a laptop to make notes as well and I, there, mm-hmm. obviously there is an intensity to doing that, but also I, I very rarely watch a game all the way through just watching the screen, not making any notes, not doing it for, for because I'm going to analyze it, just to sort of enjoy that game i want to do more of that Mm -hmm. and it's difficult this is something you're going to find as a a, a new family man it's difficult when you've got family in the house and you've got kids running around and uh, that's also a distraction from Mm -hmm. sports on the weekend don't you know so um yeah i I, like i find myself think like i'll I'll watch a game and uh it'll be on the screen and oh i just missed a goal because uh, my kid was doing x y and z i'll go on reddit and watch the replay now and then i get stuck in the comments there and Mm -hmm. it just keeps going on it's hard (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think I, I so. I
1: like that one. I think I, I will maybe steal it, but I will leave it to you in terms of the uh, the listing we've got. I will spin off of that one to say that I think like I want to watch. I've said in the past like I want to watch Europa League and things like that. But what I'm thinking about this time because I didn't really follow through on that resolution, I would like to aim to accomplish some of these. Um, I think when I watch a game, it tends to be like what is what are we going to talk about on weekend review or. Like, this player is the best player in the world. He's playing against the best defense. Like, let's go watch and see what happens. And I think I sometimes don't then pay attention to the other stories. And to your point about being there in person, like, we went to the Köln-Düsseldorf game when we were in Germany. Not a game I ever would have watched, but then you learn it's a local rivalry. They really don't like each other. You can see that spillover onto the pitch. And I think understanding more of the background of games and the history behind some of the games, as opposed to just focusing on the individual players and tactics, is another thing I would like to do in 2021.
2: Yeah. And when you went to Cologne, by the way, I haven't asked you this before, but did you go to Lucas Podolski's kebab shop? <laughs> we did not, and I feel sort of bad about that one. I think we went right through, we drove through uh,
1: Cologne. Cologne, still don't know which one it is, but uh, I did not go there. I would like to go there. I don't know what I would get. Do you have recommendations? What do you think would be the ideal one at Lucas Podolski's c- kebab shop?
2: I don't know enough about kebabs. Enough? I don't know, um, but I, I recommend it. I've had kebabs in Germany before, and yep. they are very, very, very good at them. Indeed, uh, that's another resolution for you. Then get back Bye. to Cologne. Yeah, <laughs> should be easy.
1: No, no travel limitations at all. Uh, exactly. I, I sort of piggybacked off of yours. Uh, do you want to do another one, or shall I do another one?
2: I'll, go, I'll jump in cool. here um, and I mentioned uh, th- me being a family man and the distractions there with I'm not going to complain about that I love having a family of course and my next resolution is to get my two girls my two girls who are five and seven years old into soccer more that's what I want to work on in 2021 mm. because they play at school and we we have a kick around like in our house or out in our in our yard reasonably often but watching the game for them is something that frustrates them because it's when Daddy has a TV on all the time watching the soccer when they want the cartoons to be on the TV. Uh-huh. And it is be- I'm worried that in their heads it's becoming, oh, it's that thing that Daddy watches that we don't want to watch rather than, oh, that's the thing we could watch with Daddy. And I want to try and Change. I've said daddy far too many times on a podcast, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I want to try and change that perception and try and get them into the game and understanding why it is the best sport in the world a little more. And Maybe that will come with time, maybe I can't force that, but that's something I want to be conscious of next year.
1: Well, you consciously call me tay So maybe maybe you're what you're actually asking for is for everyone just to call you Ryan Daddy. Is that what you want?
2: <laughs> yes,
1: Daddy. <laughs> so my question then becomes, do you have ideas for how you will accomplish this goal? Because as you said, if they're more into cartoons, maybe not so much watching 90 minutes of, I don't know, uh, the English Premier League or the Bundesliga or something like that, how do you get them on board? How do you get them into it?
2: I think it's about finding those points of entry so um for example like the kids in my eldest uh daughter's class they all like harry kane there's a couple of spur supporting mm. families in that fa- in that school uh, so she talks about harry kane a lot and when to- when tottenham on the tv i'm like oh look that guy there the one who's uh, jumping on someone uh, sorry crouching down and nearly injuring someone because he he's jumping over them and they're going for a header and it's very dangerous that's harry kane that's harry kane doing that right now so um i, I try and get them in by sort of getting them in with the players maybe i'll try and introduce some storylines and say oh this is my team my team's never on the tv in this country i might add but i i I don't know it's a good question taylor i think there are entry points i can find and maybe maybe forcing it will make it even worse i don't know (laughs) (laughs) well i have another question which i like i hope
1: isn't uh, like offensive or intrusive i don't know if people will take it as offensive but like Would do you think they would be more into it? You have two daughters, as you said, would they be more into it if they were watching women's soccer? Do you think to be able to see like, oh, I, I could grow up to be that versus I'm not going to grow up to play in the Premier League or Hmm. the men's Premier League side? Like, do you think there's that draw? Or is that like gendering it a bit too much?
2: that's that's possible that's but that's a possible another entry point that's something i can experiment with we they have been they have had nwsl on on the tv here when when they've been around uh women's mm-hmm. world cup they they had was on an awful lot when that was on so they are aware of its very much aware of its existence uh obviously um my uh, i do watch a little more men's soccer in all honesty mm-hmm. so oh, yeah of course on, that's on more often mm-hmm. but um yeah that's you You might be onto something there.
1: Well, i i should clarify that i'm i'm literally asking because my wife and i were having this conversation yesterday about how i was like i'm not gonna try to get her into soccer but hope that it becomes the thing that i'm doing that she wants to do right. but i have already started to think about that and yeah like i don't want it to be the thing that like dad's watching and it's boring i would like her to enjoy it so i'm, I'm sort of asking out of us out of a sense of i want to know as well so i'm just going to see what you do and try to learn from what works or what doesn't work uh, that's whatever my plan that so thanks for being me. the guinea pig
2: yeah just do the opposite of whatever my experience <laughs> is and then you'll be absolutely fine but i think the last thing you to be and this we're turning into a parenting podcast now Eh. but you don't want to be the pushy parent I I used to swim a lot when I was younger I swam seven times a week and I was really really into training and there were some parents there who you could tell the kids didn't want to be there and their parents were really pushing them to do it so that's my parents were never like that and I don't want to be that kind of parent I don't want to force them to do anything they don't want to do but also guide them towards the light (laughs) Uh, my dad's pregame pep talk before every
1: single game, which I think he meant good-naturedly, was to put a hand on my shoulder and say that the fate of the family rested on my performance today. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, maybe a little less pressure. You never know Did what'll it? happen there. Did it? Did <laughs> yeah, it? Know? I mean, I mean, it worked for a while, I and mean, yeah, I mean, the family stayed intact until I stopped playing soccer. So maybe that's the problem. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it. I'm the oh, problem. my gosh. Thanks, Ryan. All right, all right. Well, Let's well, move on. We're getting <laughs> done. <laughs> yeah. It's become a parenting therapy podcast. Thanks for <laughs> that. Uh, I will move instead to talk about uh, U.S. soccer for a moment. I'm going to have sort of a, a linked series of resolutions. I'm going to say for Vlatko Andonovsky and the U.S. women's national team, their resolution is to win the Olympics. And for Jason Kreis and the U.S. u 23 uh, men's Olympic team, it's to Qualify for the Olympics. The women have certainly already done that uh, in dramatic fashion. I think they played five, won five, scored 25, conceded zero. That's a good way to qualify. Uh, the men have not yet had their qualification campaign. They're in a group with Mexico, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic. Top two from that group advance. The Two finalists end up qualifying, so the U.S. is still eligible, but it's a, it's a road to go. So I want the U.S. men's team to qualify, which would be the first in a while, and the women's team to win it, which would also be the first in a while. So let's make both of those happen.
2: So that's your resolution? That's
1: my resolution for them. I'm, I'm assigning okay. some resolutions as well. So I'm going to say that should be their resolution. I'm hoping it will be. I'm taking the uh, approach of I can assign these resolutions for them and then they will occur. Then they will become manifest. So that's what I'm doing here.
2: Manifest. W- destiny. Witchcraft like and
1: wizardry. There you <laughs> yeah.
2: go. And, uh, and how do you think that will pan out if you look at it? Uh,
1: I think I mean the I think the U.S. women's team always have a very good chance. It, it's a matter of everybody staying healthy, who ends up making the squad because you've got the limited roster there, and if everybody buys in. But based on qualification, it seems like people are buying in. Uh, then I guess it, then it comes down to the you know congested fixtures. You've got players playing all over the place. Who can stay fit? Who can make it in time? But I I would be confident for the women to at least make the final or go pretty far in that tournament. The men's side it's a strange one because. On the surface, that group that I said, Mexico, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, less so, but those first two, always difficult. But then we're talking about youth teams, Olympic teams. I don't know how much that carries over. then after they make that, I think it's like the other group that they could play against. There's some talent there, but I think they should qualify. So I think I'm going to say the U.S. women should at least make the final. And I'm going to say the men should be able to at least make the competition. But we said that several times before and it has not come to fruition.
2: <laughs> Can I ask you what your mm-hmm. perception is of the men's uh, Olympic team, the men's mm-hmm. Olympic soccer team, and how how closely you follow it, how much you wish their endeavours to uh, um, be successful. Sure. I ask this as a as an English person mm-hmm. who has only once ever seen my nation compete in the Olympics, uh, the men's team, I should say, excuse me. Uh, well, actually, both because it's Team GB when uh, in, during the London Olympics, because we don't enter as England in any other tournament. Mm-hmm. So how what i suppose it's a general question for men no. and women what's your yeah. feeling about olympic soccer and how how much you value it compared to uh, the rest of the game
1: uh for everything i've just said i value the women's competition much more because that is a they're sending their best players everybody's bringing their their best squad they possibly can you've got like the very talented nations bringing their senior players you know it's going to be a good competition so i think in that way it's a very uh important competition for the men's side The best answer I can give you, this is my honest answer, it's a competition I would love to not have to care about, which sounds silly to then say, like, I really want to qualify, but it's one that, if we had qualified every single time, it probably becomes another, it's a youth tournament. It's a, yeah, that's great, we're in the U-17 World Cup, we're in the U-20 World Cup, I want to see how we do, but there's always that element of, like, that's great, we beat France. Still not the senior team, though, and I think it just, it lowers the bar a little bit, and so for me... If it's a youth team and they're there every single time, it becomes like, oh, that's great. But, you know, like even if they win it, they haven't won the World Cup yet. We'll see what happens. But that we keep not qualifying Mm. feels more like, okay, let's get to the stage where we just qualify every time but aren't able to move on to that next level. And then we can worry about that. But like until we can get there, it becomes the thing that I would like to see happen, probably more so than a lot of other footballing countries would uh, feel that same drive
2: yeah that's fair enough and yeah it's it's interesting the perspective there because as I mentioned on yesterday's show I love me some Olympics but I've never really viewed soccer as being a large part of it I think it's due to the country where I am from not having entered a team typically but I will say that at the 2014 Olympics I think I mentioned this yesterday I went to the gold medal game Brazil against Germany at the Madagena and it was one of the most incredible atmospheres I've ever seen it was uh, sorry 2016 not 2014 2014 was a very different event in Brazil uh, and the Brazilian And, a very, very and a very
1: different result between Brazil and Germany, I think. Correct.
2: <laughs> and they were vindicated, of course. And so there was a very much a feeling of sort of recovery in that stadium that day. And it was a, I, it was a stunning atmosphere. As I say, the Brazilians did a really good job that day of, uh, of willing their team to glory. So I do value it, but uh, I, 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 maybe that's a resolution for me as well in Tokyo to pay more attention to uh, the, the soccer goings on.
1: There we go. Well, we can both be doing that, hopefully with both of the U.S. teams and maybe with some Team GB as well. Uh, That's uh, a couple for me packed together. Uh, We've gotten a few resolutions out of the way, more still to come. But first, we're going to take a break to hear from some of today's sponsors. FX is welcome to Wrexham, all new Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: All right, so we are back. Ryan, I think I went last. Why don't you take us next? What resolution have you got uh, for us next? I said next twice in a sentence. I apologize.
2: Uh, next, next, next for me is... I've got three in that one. You're welcome. <laughs> um... <laughs> I want to go to watch my first game at Plough Lane, Wimbledon's new stadium. That is something I wish to do in 2021 should travel and the uh, global situation allow me to do such a thing. 2020 was a terrible year, and you mentioned a couple of bright spots that the year did have for you. One of them for me was on November 3rd, Wimbledon, AFC Wimbledon, my team played their first ever game at Plough Lane, the new stadium, which uh, we are a uh, fan-funded team. We're, We're started by the fans. I helped fund that stadium personally, not a large chunk of cash. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't have a lot of cash to spare, but I did uh, help fund that stadium. As did my family. Uh, it's, it's very important. It's built uh, uh, where the old dog track uh, was on Plough Lane in Wimbledon, about 200 yards from the old stadium. So it's still the same street, Plough Lane. Uh, and it's, it's, it was a big shame that Wimbledon fans couldn't be there. No fans could be there for the opening game there, and they haven't been there since. There's been no fans. Uh, at the stadium, which is heart- heartbreaking for my brother who lives very near there, who is a Wimbledon fan who has had to sit on his couch and watch the games uh, while the stadium remains empty. So Jeez. it's a bit of a underwhelming opening for the stadium. But when fans are allowed back, and I hope they're allowed back in some kind of uh, meaningful capacity uh, as 2021 goes on, that's all I want to do. Fly home, see the stadium. I helped fun. Have that cathartic emotional moment uh, back in Wimbledon. Because... Um, my 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 wimbledon story uh, to to give a bit more context wimbledon played at plow lane since like the turn of the 19th century and then moved to selhurst park crystal palace's ground uh, at the beginning of the 90s and played there for a decade that was where i watched most of my premier league action at selhurst park not a nice stadium that's a conversation <laughs> for another day um
1: which so- is which is really not fair because if they're going to be called crystal palace they can't have a bad stadium
2: it it needs to be this like beautiful uh, structure and it it can't yeah. be ugly, but I'm glad
1: I'm hoping Cloud Lane is a little bit better.
2: There is no crystal. Well, there's the nightclub crystals in the uh, in the stadium, which uh, you you may have heard talked about on a different podcast. But um, it, it's not Croydon in South London where Crystal Palace Stadium in is is um a hole. I would it's, say it's it's not, it's not great. So it's, a, um, it's a, Croydon. It doesn't sound like a resort town. I'll put it that way. Uh, its its most famous export is Kate Moss. Uh, I believe she was from Croydon uh, but otherwise it's a hole Um, so (laughs) so that was so to have grown up watching my team at another team stadium to finally have my team go home it's going to be a very I can just feel the emotion building me already from that experience which is hopefully to come in 21 if they allow me to get on an airplane and allow me to get back into the United States afterwards which is currently not the case
1: so I think we're trying to be a little bit more upbeat looking ahead to 2021 with the year that 2020 has been. But I will say with that in mind, like, it was sort of hard to do some of these because I wanted to have some real ones about, like, I'm going to take my daughter to a game or we're going to do this or we're going to go there. We're going to I want to see a Wolves game. And then it is that like, but can we and is that responsible and are we supposed to and will that be possible? It is a sort of nebulous thing and i guess my hope is that at some point in 2021 we have more answers than we have right now that's about where my level of like hope is uh like maybe we'll figure some stuff out there's a vaccine it should be okay so i'm just gonna hope that you get that that will be i think my number one hope this year is that you get to go see a game in plow lane more than anything else we're talking about today because uh i think you've earned it with your fandom and the way things have been for your club i think you deserve a happy moment in a packed stadium that is your own and loud
2: i will add Taylor, you, when you just said there's a vaccine, it should be okay, you kind of shrugged your shoulders. Yeah. So, for the listener, it, that's kind of how I oh, picture the yeah. current <laughs> government I- uh, administration dealing with the current crisis. Yeah. There's a vaccine, it should be okay. I think yeah, that's it's, pretty much what like done. It, it, you know, like uh, it gets around, it'll
1: we'll figure it out. It's not yeah. sitting in warehouses and expiring. <laughs> oh. Let's talk about other things. Let's move on quickly. <laughs> uh, I'm going to assign another resolution. I'm going to go with Mikel Arteta. And I'm going to say, because I, I think he's got a lot on his plate, he maybe doesn't have time to come up with his own resolution. Um, So I'm going to say his should be to be more like early Arsene Wenger and less like late stage Arsene Wenger, Uh, because early Arsene Wenger is a tactical innovator, wins silverware, changes the club's approach, becomes beloved in fans' eyes. Later, Arsene Wenger is sort of constantly accused of coasting on past glories with the club, failed to make necessary changes to an underperforming squad, and was constantly about to be sacked, even though he probably wasn't. Those both feel like they could uh, apply to Mikel Arteta based on the way things go in the next couple months. Uh, so I'm going to say he should strive to be more like the, the young, motivated Arsene Wenger that I'm not entirely sure he played under. I think he played in like the in-between phase uh, and less so the one that was sort of constantly being linked with an exit from the club.
2: I, too. Had a resolution for Mikael oh, Arteta. Uh, oh, mine boy. was reasonably similar. In in uh, in that I want the best for him. Uh, I want to have him spend in January and have a nice little clear out. There's been some headlines this morning about a clear out, and uh, I think uh, uh, Kalasnach mm-hmm. was mentioned as one of the players who who will be cleared out. Uh,
1: Shaka on loan, I think, is what I saw. I don't know if that was confirmed or just rumored.
2: Imagine if you're Kolasinac and you're like, okay, I've been at Arsenal for a few months. Where can they send me where things will be brighter? Schalke, great. Wow. (laughs) 2021 (laughs) is going to be great. Uh, Yeah, and and I'll just jump in
1: here to say really quickly, uh, another resolution I had was Schalke's resolution is not to get relegated. There are no jokes here. That's just definitely what their resolution is. And on that note, good luck to Kolasinac
2: at Schalke. Back to you, Ryan. I also have a Schalke resolution later. (laughs) We we work on the same wavelength, legs, Taylor, quite clearly, but I'll go back to Mikel Arteta. (laughs) Yeah, please, please. I want Arsenal to get better. I want them to sort of be more of a force that, more of the force that their fans they deserve to yeah. be for their fans, I shall say. Uh, and you know, there's a few players who could they could bring in, like Diego Costa, for example, with his mysterious leaving of uh, yeah. Madrid. So maybe there's a there's a an, an entry point back into the Premier League for him. That would be exciting, wouldn't it? and, yes, it and would. I think it's more about getting rid of the players who are no good. We, we saw in, re, in in the most recent Arsenal performance where they brought in the kids um, and it kind of had a benefit to the team. So with that, you know, players like Klaassen, that's sure you can get rid of him. Mesut Ozil, try and get rid of him. That would mm-hmm. be nice. That would be a nice burden off of the uh, wage bill, if anything. Here's a controversial one. Granit Xhaka, get rid of him. Because you know what? If you don't have him in the team, you won't pick him in the team. <laughs> That is,
1: that is rock solid logic. It would be weird if he still did. Uh, so, would you rather him? So, you're saying you want him to bring in players. Do you want him to continue to bring in young players, or do you want him to bring in some, some bigger names, some more established ones that maybe give him a bit more, not credibility, but like maybe has a bit more depth to be able to compete at the, uh, the top, top level?
2: Yeah, I mean, when I thought about the players they could bring in and the ones who are available, Diego Costa struck me. But then there's players like is it Patson Daka at RB Leipzig. Who, and then that makes me think, oh, they have spent a lot of money on forwards who haven't done mm-hmm. tremendously well. So maybe I'm not focusing on the right part of the team. So I have to put m- maybe some more thought into this resolution. But the point is, um, soccer has shown us, Taylor, time and time again, if there is a problem with your team, throw lots of money at oh, it yeah. and it mm-hmm. will go away very quickly. Right? Is that right? I think I'm right. I think you are,
1: and I think yeah. th- that actually led me to wondering if we know that uh, <laughs> this is a bit of a non sequitur, but it connects. We know that Andrei Shevchenko was a Roman Abramovich signing, not a Jose Mourinho signing, and that led to a considerable amount of discord between the two. Andrei Shevchenko, I believe, is now the manager of the Ukrainian national team. So I, I kind of wanted to come full circle that if things don't go well for Frank Lampard. You throw money at Andrei Shevchenko, and, and uh, Roman Abramovich gets a second bite at the apple with Shevchenko as the Chelsea manager. Uh, I think that would be hilarious, and I think it's been proven that that totally worked when you threw money at him last time. So just do it again and see what happens. That's just Perfect. science. That's just science. <laughs> that just works. <laughs> I think I once again hijacked your Arsenal conversation to talk about a blue team that isn't Arsenal. I apologize for that.
2: <laughs> You're quite fine. And probably Arsenal fans probably prefer us to talk about them uh, as little as possible on the airwaves. Shall I jump in with another one, Taylor? Yeah, yeah. since I I led us to Shaka, do you want to do your Shaka one or do you want to go off on a wholly different path? Wholly different path, please. Okay. Um, I want to bring it back to my personal experiences. I want to watch more MLS again. I want to make mm. MLS great again in my own mind because the 2020 season, it got away from me a little yep. bit. Um, Same here. It was a disjointed season. Uh, I watched a lot of MLSs back, but I wasn't as engaged with it because I've had issues with the integrity of the season. It's no fault mm. of MLSs. They had to do what they had to do to get play underway. But, you know, we had a situation where not all the teams in the West even finish their schedule and uh, the with the MLS is back kind of affecting the integrity and whether or not the supporter shield should be awarded and all this kind of jazz. It's, as I say, there was a pandemic. This is no fault of MLSs, but right. I want to get back to a point where I am engaged in the, in, in the league again. I'm aware that I live in Charlotte and there is a team coming here in 22. And I think this season will be a perfect ramp for me to ramp up my excitement once again about mls. so you 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 felt kind of similar this season about Absolutely. being a, a bit less engaged with it, yeah. and 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 I want to like emphasize
1: what you said because I agree with you entirely that like we talked on this show about how people are going to have to be okay with flexibility. It's not going to be a perfect system because we're trying to figure out how to keep teams playing with no fans with limited money. you You've got to be okay with a little bit of flexibility. And I think for the most part, people have been. I think that kind of can't continue for me. You can't keep having stuff that's fly by night. Maybe the Olympics are going to happen. Fingers crossed. We'll see. Like, I understand you have to kind of keep those big things on the books in the best possible way you can. But if we have another, we're going to play four games, then we're going to shut down because there's another spike. Then we're going to open back up and we're going to have like a a four-team tournament and then we're going to close again for a little while. Like, it just gets kind of hard to track. It feels a little bit like you're just trying to get games in in whatever way you can, And again, I'm not like attacking teams who played more games or fewer games or whatever. I think like the season was what it was, teams played as they could. It is just sort of, I think personally, it was a little bit difficult for me to track, especially with everything that was going on. It was sort of easier to just say, like, listen to Joe and Jordan, they know what they're talking about with MLS. Like, they're all totally plugged in. So I like the idea of being a bit more plugged in myself. And if you're going to be as well, then we can be plugged in together. And that Let's works well for me. let in
2: together. Sounds lovely. And I think I'm aware of the fact that I'm in Charlotte at the moment, which is a market that doesn't have a team. And, you know, the closest one is Atlanta, which is three and a half hours away. Mm-hmm. Um, so when a team does arrive here and as that starts ramping up, obviously my engagement is going to increase a lot. But I'd like to I, – I have always – been engaged with MLS and I felt it I felt it drop away in twenty twenty. Like many things have dropped away in twenty twenty. And I'm gonna resolve to get it back. I like it. I like it. You you could always go DC
1: temporarily. That's moderately close to you. Yeah. That was before
2: uh, Atlanta it was the closest one, yeah. There
1: we go. Uh and uh James Lambert of the Screaming Eagles organization did send my daughter a a black onesie tutu with the Screaming Eagles logo on it, so maybe I'll have to raise her just black and red teams is who she's gonna be rooting for, but you you could root for them if you enjoy. Not the best of performances. Ben Olsen, though, could be the next Sheffield Wednesday manager is what a report I saw today. So that will be fascinating. Uh, Will he get 10 games? Who knows? Who knows? And this is me (laughs) pausing for a moment to indicate that, yeah, it doesn't seem like a great situation for him to be walking into. But I was also laughing at your uh, Ryan is going to watch more MLS and get back into it. Because I had a New Year's resolution for Ryan Bailey, which is that he's going to become a huge fan of the Gold Cup. I'm going to find a way. I will find a way to get you into the Gold Cup. I don't know if it will be through like a future Charlotte player, if it will be just random side stories that pull you into the weirdness of the tournament. If it will be individual American players that I think I can get you on board for some way, Ryan. I'm going to get you into the Gold Cup. You'll see.
2: So let me lay my cards on the table here. Yeah. I don't hate the gold cup. Oh, I know. as I've mentioned, it is regularly held in Charlotte, and I've seen mm-hmm. uh, you know Mexico always play a game here. I've seen Trinidad and Tobago and Martinique more times than I care to uh, remember in in this fair city, and you get you know, you get these double-headed games. and It's a lot of fun. There's a good evening that you have out here. It's just I don't know. I, it it doesn't give mm-hmm. me the fizz. That tournament doesn't give me the fizz, Taylor. That's what I, that's how I describe it. It doesn't but that's fair. Excite me because. I don't really see that it's a huge prize and a huge deal. I sound like I'm poo-pooing it when I said I wouldn't. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is what you're trying to resolve no, I and mean, not to do. Uh,
1: well, how much, how much uh, of that do you think is you, being an England fan being raised in england like watching the euros like i it it certainly does not have the prestige of the european championship and i think to copa america as well so like are those two tournaments always going to be a little bit more like first and foremost in your mind which i think is totally fair i'm just i'm i'm wondering if it is just that british versus american perspective
2: yes they will and i think that's a bias i have to work on so let me ask. Let me tell you, uh, Put this to you. Sell it to me. Sell it to me right now. Yeah. So I think I think that is probably where your perspective is is fair.
1: That like the the knock on the gold cup by me and many other organizations and people has been like a tournament is played and then it's the United States playing Mexico in the final and that yeah. is probably how it should go and will continue to go. If it doesn't, that in and of itself is a talking point. But you do have other nations starting to get more competitive and i think that is a big part of it is that if it's never competitive it's the same two teams every single time with like canada winning it once in like 2000 i think brazil maybe won it once when they were invited but for the most part you kind of know the two or three teams are going to be in there Mm. as say curacao gets better with dutch players now deciding to play for them when they really feel like they don't have a chance to play for the dutch national team or we've seen other martinique had uh uh, Who was it? Maluda, maybe, I think, played for them, even though I think he officially wasn't allowed to. So you have other nations that are, I think, starting to develop a bit more. Haiti getting stronger uh, to some extent, like still not on that level. But I think it's like other younger nations when it comes to the national teams getting stronger, getting better as they continue to do. So I think that competition becomes more interesting. And so maybe that's, again, to connect it to my resolution of like watching teams that I wouldn't otherwise watch because they have more interesting stories or are worth paying attention to. Aside from this is the next Ballon d'Or winner, maybe that'll be it for me. And then I can convey some of those to you and see if that strikes any enthusiasm.
2: Okay, well, I'll continue to watch the Gold Cup, and I have done so, and I've seen it live many times, as I say. But there's, Ryan there's Bailey another integrity... hates the
1: Gold Cup. Got it, cool. <laughs> yep, yep, noted, it thank you very much. Yep, 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 uh, yep. Put
2: that in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think um, there's an integrity issue, Taylor, in the fact that one of the teams is called Trinidad and Tobago. That's two countries competing as one. That's just completely unfair. <laughs> oh, man, I forget. The, I think the story is that it's like 90% of the
1: people live, it's, they live in one or the other, and then right. one basically... Gave the other one a massive loan, and but was like, but now you're part of our country. I think Trinidad gave Tobago the loan, and then they became one country. But yes, I'm with you, Ryan. There's a lot of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. What are you guys up to? Why do you have Grenadine in there? It's a delicious, <laughs> sweet beverage that you can make a Shirley Temple out of. But are you also a good national team? I don't know, Ryan. These are the reasons why we have to pay attention to the Gold Cup so we can figure it was, um, these things out.
2: I thought it was the indie band that was combining with the cocktail <laughs> ingredient. Is that not the case? <laughs>
1: I think the Grenadines are the opener for St. Vincent. Ah, yeah. Great. And then sometimes they play together at the end when they do the encore and they have both bands out. That's how it works.
2: Okay. So, this conversation about being encouraged to watch the Gold Cup has <laughs> devolved into being very rude about several of the teams.
1: Yeah, that's correct. So, <laughs> let's get away from that by taking another break, our final break, to talk about today's sponsors. And then we will be right back with our final New Year's resolutions, of which there are many.
0: And we are back.
1: We never left, but you did, and now you're back. Hopefully, the crying baby in the background is not audible. Uh, I'm trying to hey, think if I can. Don't be rude about me. I'm, I'm here to talk. <laughs> Thank you. I was trying to find a way to transition into anybody I wanted to make fun of by referring to them as a crying baby. I can't really. So instead, I'm just going to say that for Josh Sargent, I'm going to give him a New Year's resolution. Uh, I think obviously he's seen what happened with Weston McKenney, uh, which is basically you leave a struggling Bundesliga team, you play for an Italian giant. So I think Josh sergeant's resolution is to be signed by napoli and i'm just going to go ahead and confirm that that's both his resolution and also going to happen let's just make it so
2: great <laughs> <laughs> i right. mean that's that's one where yeah uh, it's, it's i suppose you have to talk to his agent a little bit how are we going to will nah. this one into existence
1: now, I'm just, just going to pick my only one I've ever willed into existence in my mind is I watched a promo video before the World Cup for the Dutch team, I think it was, for Ajax. IX. Ix is like kit release. And I was like, this Daily Blind uh, fellow, I like him. I wanted to play for Manchester United. And then he did Ryan Bailey. So maybe this will be that. But this is also my way of just saying, talking about Werder Bremen and their struggles with Manuel Vates on uh, uh yesterday's show. Was it yesterday's show or the day before? day before. day before. Thank you. Time is lost on meaning. It's a flat circle. <laughs> uh... Was interesting because it did feel similar that there is that argument of like, is Josh Sargent like now developing the way he should be because he's playing regular minutes in the Bundesliga or has he sort of reached it and does he need a different system where he gets more opportunities and more sort of scoring chances? Is it a similar thing to Weston McKinney, or is he kind of safe where he is? If he stays with Werder Bremen, I think that's great, provided they stay up and continue to do a little bit better. Uh, but if he got a move to another club where he was then pushing himself to that next level, I am also okay with that. So my resolution is for Josh Sargent to do the same thing or do something different, but either way, let's just do something. How about that?
2: Okay, I have some follow-ups. Uh, uh-huh. I, I, love, I love the energy, and I love the, uh, the concept behind it. <laughs> I feel Why? like we got a
1: compliment sandwich coming here. Uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh. 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 Why Napoli? Why Italy and why? Uh, um, could you see him thriving? Uh, I don't know. What about if it was the English Championship, for example?
1: Well, I think it's just because McKinney went from Germany to Italy is where yeah. that uh, mental link came from. I didn't want to send him to Juventus because that felt like a bridge too far. And I think Napoli was basically just because Gattuso was there. And I kind of like the idea of Gattuso instructing Josh Sargent. I feel like that's a a different sort of manager than maybe he's used to. And I would be... Uh, I would enjoy seeing how he responds to it. Yes, I think there are other leagues the championship would be fine. I think as long as he's getting minutes and better opportunities and better scoring chances, more high percentage scoring chances perhaps. But yeah, I think it doesn't have to be Italy. I just also, similar to La Liga, I feel like it's not a country where a lot of Americans end up. That's changing a little bit more. Spain, still only a few. But uh, I think maybe more, let's have, have move to Spain then. Let's do that. Let's, let's send Josh Sargent to Real Sociedad. That should work.
2: Well, maybe we can combine some <laughs> resolutions here, Taylor, right. because we're asking Mikel Arteta to spend in January Hey, clear out. Could he fit into the Arsenal
1: team? I have a feeling that American Arsenal fans would be like, oh, sure, that's exciting, that's great, and I think every other Arsenal fan would not love if an unproven American teenager was the, or youngster was the solution to their goal-scoring options. If it wasn't Lacazette, if it wasn't Obama Yang, I don't know if it would be Sargent, but I appreciate your optimism there.
2: I'm just making ties, you know, Arsenal, it's got a military feel to it, his surname does too. I'm just trying yeah. to think what hey. works, you know, for pun terms. We've got to think about <laughs> puns in the future. Has there been a
1: Josh at Arsenal before? Uh, it feels like no. And I think that's another thing that we need to uh we need to remedy. So there we go. So I think it's confirmed right now. Josh is
2: not a very common soccer name. There's uh, Joshua Kimmich, but can you think are there many others? I feel
1: like there's going to be some people
2: who are whose feelings are hurt if they listen to this. <laughs> They're screaming at, the, at, the, at their... Uh... Audio device right now.
1: I, man, I, it's a struggle. It's a struggle yeah. for me, Ryan Bailey. I, I, I struggle to think of other ones. Uh, so while I try to do that, do you have more resolutions for us? I
2: do, and I apologize for putting you on the spot with my Josh. I'm now right just
1: like, there. Josh. 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 Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's a limited pool, I
2: think. It is indeed. And talk about the opposite of a limited pool. Uh, I'm going to go to Chelsea, and they're very uh, plethora of options they have in their squad. My resolution is for Frank Lampard. I want Frank in 2021 to learn what his best team is. Oh, okay. that's all I want for him. I want him to come to that. I want him to have that Eureka moment when he's in the bathtub reading his right wing newspaper um, to learn what his best uh, team is. You know, this is a team, just Chelsea team, which I think one of his biggest problems is he's got too many weapons uh, and he doesn't know where to put them you've got a team where he can't fit Kai Havertz in who is by all accounts a very good player who as Graham Rutherford noted could even work as that number nine down the mm-hmm. middle it'd be a good option there we've got a team where Frank Lampard is making some interesting formation decisions which we saw at the weekend with uh, Christian Pulisic being played on the wrong flank and uh, by the way in the game that, that followed that um, that weekend review Pulisic was reverted to the left flank and uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi was put on the right which is the suggestion I made that he should do and he did that against Sasson Villa so I can only assume assume that frank lampard listens to total soccer show you're welcome frank um so i think there's you know there is a there is a case for frank lampard to get hazard uh sorry get Havertz. Uh, have okay back of the world that'd be great but get Havertz, that would, that um, would maybe help uh, on, on the wing get wingers to actually play on the wing maybe uh you know bring giroux in from the cold he could score a few goals uh maybe tammy abraham you know he he was benched against um he was benched against Thiago Silva was benched against Aston Villa as well. You've got these players who are regularly in the team who find themselves not even involved in main, major Premier League games. And I think that's a big issue with Chelsea. No one, well for the most part, players don't stay in the team long enough to get a run going, to get some form going because they're switched out so often, particularly in that midfield and that final third. So I want Frank to learn what his best team is and stick with those players. Do you know who would who would have figured it out by now and probably will
1: in the future? Andrei Shevchenko. See? <laughs> see? It, there we go. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's probably a good resolution for Frank Lampard to have. It is a tricky one uh, because he has between 20 and 600 different attacking options he could choose from and different variations that he's got to try to figure out. It's also hard because... You can't just put a combination together, then put a different combination together, and then combine those two. Like it has, You've got to give them consistency. I think I've heard that argument before about uh, uh, Torres when he was at Chelsea, that he never got like the four or five games in a row you need to build mm. that chemistry and consistency. And Chelsea, if you have all the options they do, and if he still doesn't know it, it gets that
2: much harder. So I think it's a good one. I'm just glad it's his resolution and not mine. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough one for Frank. He does have a lot on his plate there. He's uh, obviously Chelsea a, a, a suffered some peaks and troughs are in a trough at the moment, quite obviously. Um, and he's got to get his reputation back as one of the uh, world's greatest managers, which is what he is. Is that right? <laughs> is that what the script says? Not sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, any other Chelsea thoughts, Ryan? Uh, That concludes my Chelsea thoughts. Good luck to you, Chelsea, being the team that's uh, based two miles from the team that I like the most. Way, (laughs) great. (laughs) Um, I have one that I I really don't mean to
1: be like a reverse jinx or anything like that, though I have a feeling my Liverpool supporting friends will think that it is. Uh, But I'm going to choose to exist right now in a reality in which by May, everybody has the vaccine, it's been distributed, everything's great, we can have fans uh, in the stands, and this is sort of... Uh, coming from the perspective of it seems like it's Liverpool's title to lose, and they do seem like they may be capable of doing that if they want to. Um But I'm going to say I I would like Liverpool's resolution to be to win the title again so that their fans can actually celebrate in public. Because it does feel sort of unfair that they waited so long and yet those celebrations had to be restrained. So if Liverpool are going to win a title again, not saying they will, but if they do, I feel like that's a way I can sort of mentally justify it as a Manchester United fan and be as okay with it as I can be. So that would be my, my resolution for them is to resolve to win the title again so their fans can openly celebrate.
2: That is a very strong move for a Manchester United fan to make, I will add, to, uh, to hope that Liverpool resolve to win the league. And I will add. Sure that, hope they um, do, Ryan. I sure hope they do. If it's for the sake of their fans and being able to celebrate in public, mm-hmm. I will cast your mind back to when they did win the league and the TV images we saw of the streets surrounding Anfield where many thousands of people were gathered together when they definitely should have been. So they have had that a little bit, but I get what you're saying. I get what
1: you're saying. But the ones who didn't go out there were the ones who, like, stuck by the rules and were like, I know I want to do that. I want to be one of those people, but I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to stay back. But that person, I guess, deserves to celebrate maybe as much as a Liverpool fan does deserve to celebrate. Yeah. If you're going to say nice things about Chelsea as a London club, I guess I have to say something nice
2: about my rival as well. (laughs) That's fair enough. But I think for Liverpool to execute that, they're going to have to stop having 1-1 draws with teams who are trying to battle relegation, which seems to be their, their MO at the moment. It's a strange season, man. And like we knew it was going to
1: be strange, but just like I saw Manchester United in second yesterday, and even having paid attention to the way things have been to their to their form, to the table, it was still like, no that can't be right. <laughs> like that's that's hilarious. Who put that there? Uh, it, it's a strange world we live in right now. So uh, I, I'm excited for the second half of the season or the second few months of the season, I guess it's not quite the half yet. but uh if it is Liverpool wedding, then I hope they can at least have celebrations this time around.
2: I think that that, that that is a positive, though, Taylor. Of all the mess we've had in 2020, we do have the fact that the title race in the biggest league in the mm-hmm. world, we'll call it that, um, is wide open at this point. Um, you know, any of, what, four... Maybe five teams could have a shot at it at the moment. Yep. And the conversation changes every single week. There was a moment where it was Tottenham who were definitely going to win it a couple of weeks back. Now mm-hmm. we've got Manchester United entering the fray, which seemed hilariously unlikely like a month ago. So it's crazy. Aston Villa and mm-hmm. Everton, these teams, these old school beginning of the 90s good Premier League teams are sort of making a comeback and entering the upper echelons of this league. I love the fact that it's very competitive and it is a positive side effect of this whole situation that it's sort of leveled the playing field. There's a lot more parity and a lot more bumps in the road ahead in terms of parity, in terms of wonky, weird results, I'm sure will be coming uh, in the next few months as well. And that's exciting as a neutral. It, it, it is. It's
1: also, I feel like, true parity in the sense that when you like look at Amer- American League's as we've constantly seen, you don't have the supporter Shield winner necessarily winning MLS Cup. You don't always have the best team in the NFL in the regular season winning the Super Bowl, and and parity does sort of do that. You can be really good one, one season, really bad the next, and that does feel like a good representation of the Premier League right now. I like that it almost feels like we're spinning a wheel, and it's like, which team that weren't very good last month are going to be the team that are going to win the title this month? Which team the next wheel is, which team that we're going to win the Premier League this month are no longer going to win it? There's another one for like which manager was safe but now isn't, and you can sort of spin it every now and then. It's like, oh, it's Frank Lampard this month. He's the one who's not safe anymore. Last month it was Mikel Arteta. We'll see who it is in uh, February. This is my theory, Ryan. This is my theory of wheels and parody. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed it
2: very much. Thank you.
1: It got me it got me away from having to talk uh, and say nice things about Liverpool. So, the less said about that, the better. I don't want to ha- I did a pledge last year where I would contribute a certain amount of money to a charity based on the number of points they won the title by and that that sort of blew up in my face and ended up being a lot of money. I don't want that this time, Ryan. I don't need that this time.
2: Mm-mm. mm-mm. Yeah, you got to don't yeah. <laughs> what can I say? Don't, 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 don't make outrageous bets is the uh, moral of that story, I suppose. Um, I suppose. So I, I, I touched on the fact that I also had a Schalke resolution because we are a hive mind mm. and we tend to think the same things. Of it, course, it, it it's appears. how it works. Um, Your resolution was to get out of the relegation zone, was that correct? To not be
1: relegated. That's To it, not yeah. be
2: relegated. Mine is to win a game. Hey. Win a game, Schalke. <laughs> the last league win was on January 17th. January 17th, Taylor. Last win in the league. Two seasons ago, Schalke oh. were in the Champions League knockout rounds. Wow. Last season, they finished 12th, and they were in the DFB Pokal quarter-finals. Not so hot anymore. Do you know the, the craziest thing happened this week? This slipped under my radar, Taylor. They had, they had appointed their fourth manager of the season, oh boy. Christian Gross. There's a blast from the past for you. Look, yeah, seriously, Christian Gross at Schalke. I couldn't believe that is happening. Uh... Uh, wait, conference. wait, why, why?
1: For people who don't know, why can't you believe Christian Gross is the manager of Schalke?
2: Christian Gross is a name I haven't heard in probably 20 years or so. He was most famously, from, a West, uh, from an English perspective, he was uh, appointed Tottenham Hotspur manager, I'm going to say 97. And he was not there for very long. It was a bit of a disaster. He had a very famous press conference where, I think it was his announcement, where he showed up late from the airport holding a, a London Underground ticket. And he said something like, this is my ticket to victory. It was not. It was an expired underground ticket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was a very uh, amusing, very Spursy period for Spurs. And for him to have emerged, I think he's he Swiss and he went to, he went to Young Boys. Mm-hmm. He's been in uh, Asia. I think he's been at al for a long time, for, for, a free, for a few spells at least. And to see Schalke go, okay, okay, we need a new manager. Who are we going to appoint? Yeah, Christian Gross is the man for us. Christian Gross is the man to pull us out of this. And for all, you know, he may well do. He may well do. He may be the exact antidote that uh, that, that Schalke need here, but... Yeah, fourth manager of the yeah. season already. Uh, maybe a resolution is to go for number five and get you know cut the Band-Aid off already. Ooh, M-
1: maybe that's it. Maybe they were in for Ben Olsen and then it turned out Sheffield Wednesday was more likely. That that's that's where they're at. I know they don't have a ton of money to spend, but I would have loved. Yeah, this yeah. Was they going never... to Christian Gross, Taylor. We know that <laughs> exactly. But I love in a like world in which they did have a small amount of money to spend on a manager, I would have loved for them to see uh, for them to go for Big Sam just because he's never been relegated. Can he do that in a different? country with a Schalke team that are this Schalke team he's got an American back Matthew Hopp we haven't talked much about him he's played three games so maybe that's what Big Sam needs not managing in the Premier League again that West Brom decision was a mistake he should have been with Schalke I don't think that's I can't even get myself
2: to believe that but
1: uh yeah I think Schalke winning a game would be a good step that's that's not a bad shout Ryan
2: well done I think you've just <laughs> tapped on something very important here because if I'm not mistaken and my German language is correct if Big Sam went to Germany, the Germans would refer to him as Dick Sam. Okay. All right. Is that is that the word for big, I'm hoping? It's kind of the word for fat. Okay. Uh, which has the same <laughs> meaning. Or it could be closer, Sam. But I think Dick Sam is what they would go with, and I'm all for that. We need that to hey, happen. I, I, I just want you to be happy, Ryan. That's all I want.
1: I did, when I was reading some of those year-end reviews, forget that the first game back, I think, after the pandemic break when we come back with the restart, I think it was Dortmund absolutely annihilating Shaka, which feels like a good sort of representation for... Schalke, certainly the way things have gone for them. Dortmund, somewhat the way things have gone for them. Uh, so, I like that we both had Schalke predictions. Uh, I have another Dortmund one, which is just that Jaden Sancho's resolution is whatever it was in December of 2018, and definitely not the, the resolution he made at this time last year. This year, maybe not quite as strong as the year before, so I'm hoping Jaden Sancho can have a return to form. I have one last personal one for me, Ryan. How many more do you have?
2: Uh, I have two more.
1: Please. If you would.
2: I will give you my next one, which I'm going to go to Spain for this one. I want Real Sociedad to resolve to keep on pushing for that title, to don't stop believing. If that makes any grammatical sense, which it does not. Uh, Real Sociedad, uh, who kind of I, I've been very interested in this season, they're third in the Liga at the moment. Then uh, I, I think they're about nine points off Atleti, but they did play this morning. They played the Basque derby against Athletic Club uh, mm. on New Year's Eve. So I and I'll have to check the table on that. But they're doing very well. I believe they're still in in um, in third. They're quite a way above Barcelona. Uh, this is a team, you know, not not one of the big heavy hitters traditionally. In Spain. But, you know, they're doing so well this season. They're so close to, to, to glory and they're in the Champions League spots here. Uh, they've got Manchester United coming up in the Europa League as well. I think that would be a really tricky tie for uh, Manchester United. And if, if you look through the kind of players they've got, um, Natural Monreal's there at the moment. Adnan Zianazai. David Silva's there at the moment. It's a very uh, Premier League-y who's who uh, in uh, San Sebastian at the moment. But they're a very intriguing team, as are a lot of the Basque teams, Taylor. Like Athletic Club, Athletic Bilbao, they have a Cantera policy where they only... Uh, use Basque players and it's very limiting on who they can field obviously because they can only get people from northern Spain and southern France basically Um, but despite that they've never been relegated from the league or it's kind of amazing Um, and it's also why their players always cost like four times
1: what you'd expect because they have No reason to sell them because they have very little options when it comes to replacing them easily. So, yeah, uh, that's always an interesting one as well. It's like, oh, you're going for a Basque player? Enjoy paying twice what you thought you were going to have to pay.
2: Basque tax, exactly. But (laughs) they do tend to replace those players, and they do do very well. They have a faith in youth. Uh, Real Real Sociedad no longer have a Cantera policy, but they do very heavily rely on their youth team. Uh, 16 of their current squad are Academy products. Uh, their um, top scorer at the moment is Mikel Oyarzabal. I'm Sorry, I, butch- I butcher his surname every time I try it. But he's, um, you know, he was a youth product. Um, uh, he's the best youth product, arguably, and uh, what most people believe since Antoine Griezmann. Heard of him? Hmm. He was a, you know, him. a Real Sociedad youth product uh, ba- back in the days where well. he joined them at 14 years old. And Oyarzabal, by the way, Oz- Oyarzabal, excuse me, he was given his debut by a manager. Let me uh, let me just get this pronunciation right. David Moyeth, I think is how you say it. <laughs> that's it, that's it. That's, yeah. that's the best pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. So he's <laughs> um so he's doing very well. They're a very interesting oh, team, I mean, as I say, based very much around local players, around youth players. You just have got this nice sort of possession-based attacking style. Jabby Alonso is their reserve team coach as well. Isn't that fun? Uh, he was from, he obviously got his start there as did Griezmann. And I, I'm a big fan of the Basque country. I really love that area of Europe. Uh, I actually, I don't know if I've told you this before, I went and made a TV documentary about Athletic Club uh, about 12 years ago and spent a lot of time there. A lot of fun down there. Um, so the, the, yeah, they, they, they they've gone and had a bit of a funky Patch at the moment, they went on a bit of a winless streak, did Real Sociedad, but the Basque derby today they won that, and also something very interesting. It's a big game that Basque derby, by the way, Athletic Club against Real Sociedad. Last season's Copa del Rey final is also a Basque um, derby, which hasn't happened yet, so that's still to come. Fun. Okay, all right,
1: that's fun. I'm not gonna lie, I heard everything you said. I'm still just thinking about Chobby Alonso being a manager. I love that man so much. When we were unsure what if we're having a boy or a girl. My wife was like sort of on board for Chavi as Ah. a name. (laughs) For Chavi, I should say. Uh, But neither one of us is Basque, so that felt a little bit odd for us to be like, X-A-B-I. Good luck, American elementary school teachers. Have fun pronouncing that. It should be really, really, really easy. But I do, for a person who never played for a team that I root for or support, uh, I have a strange amount of love for Chavi Alonso, and I'm okay Mm. with it. So I like the idea of of him being somehow involved in uh, Real Sociedad winning a title. Let's make that happen, too.
2: And for him to juggle that career at Liverpool and to be filming like Arrested Development at the same time, very, very impressive, Chabby <laughs> Alonso. And Ch- uh, Ch- Chabby, Rock- Chabby Rockwell is a cool handle. You should think about that. Keep that I one mean, in the locker. I mean,
1: it's still in there. We'll see what happens. <laughs> it, it works better than Bruna for a girl. That was that was suggested in replace of Bruno for a girl. Oh. But Yeah, no, I, I think uh, we're happy with the choices we went for, but we'll see what happens. As you should be. Uh, I, 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 did, I said I had one more for me. I actually have one more general one. That, like, I kind of wrote out as a resolution, but really it's more of a hope for 2021. And it's basically just that the European Championships be fun. Because I think Mm -hmm. it's going to be very easy for them to not be fun. I think there's probably going to be big names missing because we're playing so many games. I think you're going to have injuries, but I think even if you don't, you're going to have player fatigue. You haven't really had breaks, but then you have, but it wasn't really a break. And I think it's just going to be a strange competition that could then lend itself to being very defensive and not that interesting. And my hope is just that with some big names missing and it being a little bit more of a chaotic situation heading into the tournament, that the tournament itself is chaotic and maybe we get a, a sort of random winner. Let's get another Denmark in there or something like that. <laughs> so I'm hoping that it's a, a kind of exciting chaos to the Euros as opposed to a sort of boring lack of chaos, which I think it could also be.
2: I completely agree with that. That's a very good point. And yeah, I think it's just going to be a a, a tiredness across the board is the Mm -hmm. biggest risk to that tournament. I think you're quite right there. So I hope it is more energetic than it is projected to be. I just hope that Portugal don't win it again and don't grind it out again not very mm-hmm. exciting when that it happens nah. it's happened a couple of times in in this millennia so uh, I, I think uh, we oh no it didn't well, it didn't actually happen a couple of times in millennia but they, they lost it,
1: to greece yeah, but it they was lost, the same they thing they lost yeah. when they
2: had the chance at home i should say um, yes. but uh yeah i i hope for a more dynamic team to uh, to make it happen this this i
1: would time. be fine with that and i i, I, I like for the them idea to be called
2: england that would
1: be fine too i do like the idea though of like a, a a less heralded nation that maybe doesn't rely on star performers, but like a cohesive unit doing a little bit better because they're not based around one or two very big players. I don't know who that would be. I have no idea. But I would like for it to be an interesting tournament and have some weird ones. Like we had Wales make a decent run last time. That would be fine. Scotland mm, doing something Scotland. i would be fine with me as well. I honestly don't remember if either of those or both of them have qualified. Um, but I, I hope we get some surprise teams Uh, doing things in the Euros, more so than a resolution. It's just a hope for me for 2021.
2: A good hope too, a very good hope too. Shall I I round it out with my final one? Sure. This is a personal one for me. And once again, it is, is more of a hope than a resolution, I suppose, it is to start playing soccer again. Mm, that's what I want to do. a good one. Do. I yep. miss it so much, Tay-Tay. It's been, I think, February was, or yeah, February was the last time I basically kicked a ball. Yep. Um, and I'm not even convinced I know how to do it still. I wasn't that great at it before. And now I, my powers will have certainly diminished. But um, I really miss sort of playing every week, playing in rec league. And amazingly enough, rec leagues have actually controversially started up Around here, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, that's not, I'm not down with that. So, I uh, when, when it becomes safe to do so, and I hope it becomes safe to do so, I just want to resolve to get back out there and keep trying those 40 yard shots. I always do.
1: I will echo. Two, th- three things. First of all, you gotta have a forty-yard shot every now and then. You gotta keep on their toes, Ryan. So you keep doing that. Second, the league here in Richmond restarted like pretty early, like maybe August, maybe even earlier than that. They may have had summer league, uh, and I wasn't sure about that. The team that I usually play for was starting back up. I messaged my cousin, who's an ER doc in Seattle, to say this league is starting back up. It feels like a very bad idea, but like maybe you know some things I don't know. Like, do you think it's a a really bad idea? And uh, his immediate response was, uh, short answer is yes, it's a bad idea, and the long answer is the same. So, (laughs) I I am with you that it it seems odd, but I would then like to uh, echo that I would like to try 40-yard shots again because it means we're playing. But I also have not kicked a ball since February or maybe March, but probably February. And uh, it's shown in my physique, not playing soccer three to four times a week – yeah, it doesn't really help with the uh, the exercise and weight loss, but also, yeah, just running around it's a nice thing to do. It builds community, it keeps you more connected I think to the game when you're watching and then playing and then you go back and watch and see what somebody did and I don't not to say that like you're you're necessarily doing the same things that Jamie Vardy is, but I've talked before about how like I didn't really learn to watch soccer as a kid the way you're supposed to and so as an adult watching and being like, "Oh, start that run here and make it run across and that pulls that person and you can sort of learn and then play a little bit to not be able to play it does maybe like take away some of the enjoyment of the game for me so i like that one as well i keep just stealing all of your personal ones but i'm okay with it
2: yeah it's hive mind it's fine um (laughs) what's your position taylor uh yes i guess (laughs) um
1: i i think my whole life i was either a central midfielder or right midfielder uh for a while i was a right back and now i've become a center forward somehow. I think it's maybe because I don't like oh. running anymore. Uh, but yes, that's probably central midfielder is, is like like uh, uh, defensive holding midfielder is what I played most of my life.
2: Do you have a left foot? You've described a player who doesn't necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Right back,
1: right mid and center mid? Uh, I have a... Okay, I have the, the left foot that is good when I don't think about it. Like, if I'm just sort of passing the ball with my left foot and not really putting thought into it, it will go where it needs to go. Yes. As soon as I'm like, "Oh, I'm attempting a cross with my left foot, is this going to work? It goes straight out for a goal kick. But if I don't think about it and just whip it in, then my left foot is good. That's my answer. My left not...
2: foot. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say my left foot is just for standing on. But I, th- th- those couple <laughs> of times where I have scored my left foot, it's so glorious. It's so it really is isn't right? it? Oh, oh, yeah. Wonderful.
1: And. It's always fun to score with your left foot like on a very nice goal and then act like it wasn't. Just like, oh, yeah, that's just what I do. When in secretly in my head. I'm like, I can't believe I just scored that left foot. I did it. <laughs> yes. so, oh, man, now I'm going to play again. Let's do that. Let's just kick a ball between Richmond and Charlotte. That seems possible. Yeah, I mean, it's a
2: bit more than 40 yards, but we can do it.
1: We could figure it out. We could figure it out. Um, I like that one. My last uh, little one personal one before we go. Uh, I've talked about the scouting network previously. Uh, With the new year coming, that is a thing that I plan to get back up and running. It probably means that for folks who submitted scouting reports in, say, September or October, October being when it sort of fell off for reasons, uh, I, I think we'll maybe have to do some like combination catch-ups on some of those reports. I I don't think it makes sense to read scouting reports from October or November, so I apologize for that. But I think we'll try to make it up throughout the year to people who have been submitting them, for people who have been contributing reports, and we just haven't been able to get to them. But that is a thing that I plan to relaunch and have scouting reports at least once or twice a week, just so we can get caught up and keep that going. But it's also just a nice way to, again, feel plugged into what's happening around the world that isn't just the big names and the big teams and the big American names as well. So that's a resolution for me, is to get that back up and running, but it's also sort of a Promise. So mm. that is my my final thing uh, to say before we move into 2021. Ryan, anything else for you?
2: Not much else from me. I'm just looking through my lesson thinking how many of these can I will into existence? I'm going to be positive and say all of them.
1: I like it. Uh, I forgot, while you are willing all of yours into existence, that I did write down two additional Joshes. I have not looked them up, oh. uh, but I did write them down and then forgot to mention them. So for people who tweeted at us already, uh, Josh Wolf, the former American uh, striker, would be one. And the only other one I could remember was my childhood coach who played for the Richmond Kickers, Josh McKay. Uh, so I'm sure everybody knows that one. Uh, that but Josh Wolf maybe a little bit more known. But those are my two Joshes. I welcome your other professional Joshua soccer players to uh, message us or to for listeners to message us, to remind us of which ones we forgot. Uh, But for now, Ryan Bailey, thank you very much for taking the time on this final day of 2020. Hooray uh, to talk to me about the resolutions for the coming year. Ryan will be back uh, next week with weekend review. I may be on that one. I may not be Graham Rutherford. will hopefully be on that one. Uh, And then we'll have some more shows as well, but that's about the extent of the scheduling as it stands currently. Uh, But Ryan, thank you again for taking the
2: time. Thank you to you. Happy New Year to you, Taylor. Happy New Year to everybody listening. Bye 2020!